Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and children of all ages, welcome to episode 52 of the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast, where we're going into a bit of the unknown for all the hosts here, because we're all going to be starting, or joining, I should say, a auction fantasy football league soon, and we're all kind of novices to the concept. I mean, I've played in one auction before, but Chiggs and I have experience from other auction fantasy, which we'll get into shortly. So uh, yeah, it's a bit into a step into the unknown, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of gamesmanship involved as we're trying to like throw each other off um, off the scent as to what our strategy is going to be. So anyway, with me to break it all down, first of all, I have Paul. Evening all. And we have Chiggs. Giddy up. No more today, unfortunately. He is... Um, in the air somewhere flying in the US where everything's sort of open and allowed and it's a different world out there. So yeah, Mo, safe travels. Uh, right, so um, chaps, we obviously got a new league that we've joined that one of our previous guests, Cash, is going to be running. It's not quite a dynasty league. It's more of a keeper from what I recall, but it is auction. Um, I did one auction before, a dynasty one. It was a while ago and I didn't fare very well so maybe I did learn a thing or two but uh, just really sort of high level before we break into the detail of it. Paul what are your initial thoughts about auction and what are your, what are you thinking your strategy is going to be? I think one of the key parts is is making sure you know how many people how many teams are in it and how many people you need on the bench you've got to work out some sort of average of how much you need to um, in order you can actually fill your roster but also, you know, there's, I think there's a very big difference in this from an eight-team league to a four-team league, team league, with how, um, how aggressive you go for your sort of your effective first picks. Um, and it also depends in some leagues, and I'm not sure the state of this one, but in some leagues, if you have no money left, you can still bid zero, and if no one else has any money or no one else bids them, you can still effectively pick up players for nothing. Yeah. So you know, you you got to you got to balance that a little bit. Um, First of all, this one's going to be, is this 10 team, this league? 12. 12, 12 team, okay. 12 so, Which is uh, my preferred number, to be honest, in all fantasy leagues. I like six team leagues. That way I can always have a good team and just complain about my bad luck. <laughs> you ideally make, one team leagues. You'd always make the six team playoffs that way as well. Well, normally, not always. I think I'm going to get out of it somehow. <laughs> I was going to say, Paul's probably the only person that can play in a one-team league and still not win it. <laughs> I'll get top two, though. Probably. <laughs> James, what are your initial thoughts going into your first uh, auction? Um, um, so I'll just touch on the fact me and you both in separate leagues, but we both do auction fantasy for uh, the English Premier League, um, which we've been doing for over 10 years, both of us in our respective leagues. Um, so... I don't know if your plan was to leverage on your learnings from that. We can go into your learnings. But, yeah, what are your initial thoughts around this auction? Yeah, so obviously experience in doing, yeah, for for, for Premier League. So there's, there's kind of, you know, the way I see it, there's there's two strategies, right? There's going hard on your, like, your big hitters, you know, so in a super flex, your Patrick Mahomes, Christian McCaffrey, and spend big on these guys. Um, obviously what that means is you're, you're putting your eggs in one basket. And, you know, if you have a season like last year where McCaffrey goes down injured, it kind of leaves you, a, you know, a bit hamstrung. Other option is you kind of spread the wealth a bit and you kind of target a lot of mid, mid, mid-tier mid players, you see. And, you know, hopefully you kind of build a more balanced roster. 
by spreading the love. Um, the issue I have, well, you know, there's pros and cons of both. Um, I tend to prefer the the second strategy in that I'll try and target, you know, one or two guys I really want and then try and, you know, pick up those kind of mid-value guys as opposed to spend all my budget on, say, one or two guys. Um, but that's, that's the beauty about auction, right? You know, it's the only way you can say you wanted McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley and Patrick Mahomes in your team. It's the only way you could probably get it done, but it probably means you spend all your money on three players and that you're relying on three agents to, to make up the rest of your roster. Um, um, Patrick Mahomes is then throwing to Golden Tate as your wide receiver one. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I would say, the, the, obviously, the difference in what we do in our Premier League one is that there's no transfers or free agents throughout the season, right? So once you've, once you've selected your team, that's it for the season. Obviously, this one, you, you'll still have waivers and stuff. So actually, I think there's probably needs to be a bit more of a lean towards higher caliber talent because, you know, you can still replace injured players from, from the waiver wire. So, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's that kind of balance. So what, what, do, you, what do you reckon? I read an article in preparation today on this. What, do you, what would you predict on a 12-team team? What percentage would you pick or put on your, would, would be valuable for the number one pick? So I I would say from experience, if you had a hundred bucks, you're looking for your uh, say Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, it's going wow. somewhere in that late thirty, mid to late thirties range. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? You know, it's does just, that sound yeah. fair? Yeah, I mean? that's it's, that's exactly what they say. Actually, it's about right. Um, in in so the the auction I did in NFL fantasy was a dynasty one, so it's a bit different because it's a deeper rosters and you know. With deeper rosters, there's less on the free agency side of things. One thing I learned on that, and it's kind of in keeping with what I've learned on the premiership side of things as well, it's the people who go big on three absolute superstars don't tend to win because you're banking on those three being sort of top three in their respective positions. Now, and I think... You know, on mine, I kind of fell into that where I went big on some. I don't remember my roster at all. But actually, the teams that did well were the ones who still had money left over towards the end. So, you know, their, their number one player would still be somebody like a, a Michael Thomas. And, uh, you know, if we're looking at today's standards, you probably look at someone like a Michael Thomas. And uh, um, who, who do you say is just below, like, your Dalvin Cooks and CMCs? But, you know, that. Like, like a Joe Mixon. Or Josh Jacobs. Yeah, Jacobs, Derek Henry, you know, you get at a, a discount compared to somebody like um, a CMC or a Saquon Barkley or a, I think next season Jonathan Taylor, just that next tier down. But if you stack those tier two players, I tended to find that worked well. Now, obviously, each league is going to be different because... In a season-long league, it doesn't matter if you're more aggressive dynasty, you're kind of getting that talent but I mean in, even in the premiership one I mean I've I won Ali three times I think and if I look back on all the times I won there was definitely superstars involved but and I never had sort of three big superstars so you know in today's standards I might have like a Harry Kane uh, as a striker but then I'd pair him with someone like Jamie Vardy or you know, last season, like a Raul Jimenez, somebody who's that tier two to tier three player, but 
that worked out better than having sort of those three tier one players and then a whole bunch of tier four players, if that makes sense, tier five, that kind of thing. Um, but as I said, it's a bit of a step into the unknown for for all of us. Um, you know, if you what? Red, did it say anything about how to budget or the importance of budgeting or anything like that? Well, yeah, very much. So. And that's that's where this bit came out with the um, making sure you've got enough to sort of to fill them in. Actually, so the example of um, was going spending two, so a third of your budget on McCaffrey versus um, uh, getting. Uh, I mean, this is this was from this was looking at two thousand nineteen, but looking at Eckler and Carson. You, you'd you'd end up spending slightly less on them who get more points in total. Now, okay, that means if you're going to have McCaffrey and then you end up with your next running back, basically a no one. You, you're you're sort of better off doing that. So it, it does depend how you spread it around a bit. But um, and this was this was looking at PPR as well. Yeah. See, so, so what I would say is like with auction and this is the beauty about it. Is no, no two auctions are the same. Then. I think you've just got to be flexible when you're in there, right? So you can go in there with all the plans in the world and say, I'm going to bid this much for this guy and, and so forth. Well, once you get in there in the heat of the auction, that all goes out the window. So you kind of do have to just remain a little bit focused and not get sucked into it, whereby you have to pick pick your spots, right? So that sometimes there'll be an incredible run on, on running backs, right? So maybe in the first 10 picks, there's 10 running back goes. And if you... Well, if you if you don't get one of those guys, don't panic and then overbid for the 11th running back, right? Kind of stick to your guns and go, right, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to get extra value at receiver and quarterback. And then I'll pick up a couple of like James Robinsons and uh, Raheem Mostert's of the world, you know, like, you know, backfield kind of thing. It- and there is, there is an interesting thing about when you know there's a difference where, you, you know, sometimes you, that someone wants a particular player, but if it's a, if it's a normal um normal snake draft you know they might reach them a little bit early but there's nothing you can do about that other than taking them even earlier just because someone's a particular fan whereas in this you can game it a little bit you can try and push it up with someone you don't really want when you know you know you know someone might really want aaron Rodgers if we're doing it in illegal contact and you know you know you're going to end up making them bid too much there just be careful though be careful yeah, with that yeah. because, because I've you know I've been there many a time as well. Where you, where you try and drive the price up and you just think you're going to be a little bit cute making them pay an extra few mil, and then you end up get lump, you get lumbered with a player that you don't actually want, and you probably end up spending too much. So it's kind of well, I agree though you, you should be trying to push price up for people. I also think you probably shouldn't pick the people you want to start with, right? Mm-hmm. If you sit Agreed. Throw out people you don't mind having, but yeah, basically if you get them at a value price, you go out with a. Um, no one springs to mind, but someone that you don't really want, but you know other people will go out with them with a cheeky low bid. Other people then have to fight to get them to a point where they actually want them, particularly if there's a couple of players that one or two or three people might want, where there's going to be a fight. You keep going for the same people in the same position. It's almost like jabbing for something. And then, um, you know, before you know it, people have filled up and they've filled up their roster spots and or positional spots and um, spent a load of their budget. Mm-hmm. You can sneak what, up some some good value people really cheaply, maybe. Yeah. So so what what I've definitely seen is is the opening the opening person in the auction it almost sets a weird kind of marker for you know where where fair value should be, right? So you throw yeah. McCaffrey out and he goes for say he goes for forty and everyone goes oh you massively overpaid for that. 
But then obviously then it almost sets a price for, okay, those top tier running backs will be kind of going in that range. And then everything, and then, then weirdly you get a lot more value later on, um, you know, where you might get like a Joe Mixon might go for 12 and you go, oh, that, that's crazy cheap. You know, it's only in hindsight when you look back through the auction, you go, right, this guy's overpriced, this guy's underpriced. But let, let's, let's give us an example then. So, Paul, you're, it's your time to nominate. Minimum bid is $1. So if you're the only person who nominates uh, and bids, you get him for one. But, you know, otherwise it goes to the highest bidder. So who's a player that you're going to put out there? What, the back, what at, the beginning of it, at the beginning of it, you mean? Yeah, because you can technically nominate anyone, right? But you could say, I think rather than a specific player, I think I'd want people who are about sixth to eighth in the traditional, um, in the traditional, maybe a Derrick Henry or something, actually, maybe even a bit lower than that. Someone like that who I'd be very happy to get. Maybe everyone isn't sitting there going, I want Derrick Henry at the beginning of their, um, their selections. But if I throw him out, it's other people are going to hope, I think, hope see value and then go oh because everyone wants everyone actually it's quite hard not if i say one for derrick henry what someone else doesn't want it cool more than happy to have him at one if you know what i mean other people start bidding a bit uh, what i want to do is kind of try and try and budget per positional group as well a little bit mm -hmm. yeah um so to make sure i've got and i think you're right i think you want to be trying to get a spread really so you'd get quite a few players because the worst thing about normal uh, drafts are your first round pick goes down as someone's always does and you're in such a hard situation to come back from it, unless you're rich, that you can't, um, you, you can't, you can't reverse that. Whereas in this, you can actually, you can spread it around a little bit. You don't have to be so beholden on your first round pick being great. I, 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 I really like that as well. What you said there, in terms of, I like to have an idea of how much I want to spend per positional group, and try and stick to that. And if that means, you know, okay, it's not always hundred percent, but you know, if you've budgeted twenty million for quarterbacks don't suddenly get caught in the hype and spend 40, you know, and then it blows your strategy out elsewhere. So you try and look at position scarcity, right? And kind of, and what I would say is try and pick two or three guys that you really, really want. Like at the end of the day, this fantasy football is about enjoyment and watching the players you like. And if there's a, and this is the beauty, right? If there's a guy that you really, really want and you love watching and you want on your team and you, you're never going to get him in, um, in a dynasty league or, or redraft league, depending where you're, you're drafting, this is your chance to get him, right? So if you really want CD Lamb, pay the money, get him, and then work around it, you know? See, and this is the point. This is what Shiggs has hit on. It's not about winning. Now you've worked to my, worked <laughs> to my strategies. <laughs> <laughs> what's what Derek Henry? Chiggs, who are you nominating? Who's that player for you that you... Travis mind? Kelsey. Travis Kelsey will 100% is the, I'll tell you why, because he, he is, for me, he is a proper gauge of pricing, right? You know, he, he's clearly the best tight end in the league. He's a wide receiver one, difference maker his position. Travis Kelsey, for me, should be going in that 30s range as well. And I think, so that's, that's what I almost wouldn't want to do. I, I wouldn't want him out so early, though. You can't, I mean, I guess you're right. Exactly the reason you're saying is, because I immediately sat up going, I want Travis Kelsey, actually. I really yeah. And, 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 and there's a bidding away. war on him, right? Because with the running backs, you, you know, you go, OK, if I miss on McCaffrey or Barkley, I can get Dalvin Cook or Joe Mixon or, you know, um, Najee Harris, whoever it is. But if you miss on Travis Kelsey and then you miss on George Kittle and then you miss on Darren Waller, people start panicking on a tight end, right? 
Well, you do what I do and get Zach Ertz, who's rubbish. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the other thing is obviously, yeah, just have an idea of those kind of value guys that if you do miss on your top targets, okay, who, who's the next guy? That TJ Hawkinson, um, Hayden Hurst, Noah Fan, whoever, you know, whoever's your guy, um, you know, then you may be backfield with two or three kind of um, lower tier guys, right? It, it, it's it's picking and choosing your moments. Um, but what do you reckon? I mean, who's who's going to be the first guy you throw out? It's very interesting you said it because I'm actually thinking of my strategy is is throw out rookies early because I think there's going to be a bit of rookie buzz around and I think people are going to end up just slightly overpaying for the rookies mm-hmm. who don't always because they're not going to have training camp and stuff like that and I know I've kind of stooged myself here because it's the guys who are playing will listen to the podcast anyway but I'm actually going to throw out Najee Harris and Javonta Williams and Jamar Chase because I think what people are going to pay early on as you're still in that hype, you're still, you, you know, they're not going to go for like two, three dollars. They're probably going to go for closer to like nine, ten. But where that's 10% of your budget and you're drafting 15, 20 players, that's still quite high, I think. That's quite high. So my, my thinking was try and capitalize on the rookie buzz. Don't be too disappointed if you miss out on the rookies, but make sure people start blowing their cash um, while there's hope. So that's definitely one thing I really thought about. Um, so how much, on, on that strategy, how much, what percentage do you think you guys would allocate to your starting roster? So starters is what, nine starters? Out of 100, you probably want about 85, 90. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I think that's about right as well. Because then your, your bench players are likely going to be, you know, your bench players are going to be who you're looking at. Um, well, handcuffing is going to be really interesting in this because that's another thing where you, you end up having to slightly reach in, um, in uh, I forgot what normal leagues are called, uh, like re, in a redraft league. Re- redraft league, yeah. In a redraft league. You have to reach a little bit because people know who you've got. They know that you, you want to handcuff it. You've got to be a little bit careful. And I sometimes feel that I take my handcuffs, you know, a round or two early. I mean, this one, you actually can kind of get them. at not you, you can guarantee getting them if you want them. You don't have to have them, but you at least don't have that slight panic of it so much. I wonder about that. What if you took the handcuffs first? Yeah, well, that's an interesting one as well. But the trouble is, if you end up with a handcuff, and not the main guy, but then I suppose you've got trade trade yeah, value, right? But but, but but also you throw out you throw out someone who's a, a very clear backup, but a very good backup in the event of going down. How much does anyone else want to pay if you throw them out as your first pick? You know, one dollar. No one else really wants them because they're not particularly anything, but they suddenly become valuable. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting one actually. People do that where they at the start they kind of throw out these you know, guys that would typically be going at the end of, you know, end of your draft and stuff. And as you say, at the beginning, no one's going to be, no one's going to bid um, for Alexander Madison, for example. So you get him yeah. for $1 and then you kind of go in hard for Dalvin Cook. Obviously, it signals that, that you're going to be going in for Dalvin Cook. It does, but you uh, don't need to either, right? And if someone else goes in and overpay for Dalvin Cook, you've got the backup for a dollar. So you spend a yeah. dollar anyway. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter at that point. Maybe. And you know what? Every everybody is gonna need. Uh, I'm pretty sure the league we're joining is minimum one dollar bid. So everyone's gonna need those one dollar players. So another good strategy is identify who you want for a dollar but no more, 
and call them out early because that means if somebody else wants them, they're going to have to pay two. At two, you think that's an overpay. Yeah. Some, someone like, you know, in line with your handcuff strategy, but somebody like a Marlon Mack, for example, I think for $1, he's a great sort of roster addition, whether you do or don't have Jonathan Taylor. But if someone wants to pay two for him, it's like, fine, go ahead. You know, you're just blowing that little bit of extra budget that you would have needed. That you wanted to eke out, right? That's good. That's yeah. good. I like that. The, the other thing that um, I'd always recommend in an auction league is um, keep an eye on what everyone else's budget is left, especially towards the end of the auction. Because if you're going into those final three or four picks and you've got 15 bucks and everyone else has only got six or seven, it means you can kind of bully them a little bit, right? And so you, you set them, you'd, rather than bidding $1 at the outset, you bid two or three. Mm. And it's straight away price, as opposed to bidding one, and they go to two, and then you you pay. You know, trying you're almost trying to set a price which kind of just prices them out from the outset, at which in as a result makes it cheaper for you with, without getting into a bidding war. So, do you bid in order? Is it does it still go in the order of the um, people, or is it just whoever throws it out first? No, you can throw out anyone you want. So you could on your first pick. The only thing is, you do have to take them if nobody else wants them. So you can no, say, no. So I didn't mean that. I mean, so if we're if we're doing one now, if you put someone out and then Shiggs bids on it, you don't have to I, bid again. Uh, uh, but but can can Amir just bid or does it? Just, yeah, yeah. It doesn't go around in a circle. It doesn't go around in order because you could all the increment. It's the first person on the bid that gets it, right? Yeah, I think I think so, right? So yeah, it's just it becomes a, like someone gets to nominate them, and then like then it becomes a free for all. Yeah, then it becomes okay. a free for all, right? I'm really looking forward to it. Are we doing this live or are we doing it? It's online, isn't it? It's going to be on Sleeper. Now, it, the functionality is not out yet on Sleeper, but one thing I do know about Sleeper is that their interfaces are usually quite good. Um, yeah. uh, you know, you so to Chiggs's point, knowing what everybody else's budget is or what their roster needs are, things like that. I've tended to find Sleeper quite good like that because you can look at the draft board, and as I said, I'm commenting on something that doesn't kind of exist yet, but I'm assuming that with Sleeper you're going to have a good, um, good sort of interface where you can just see everything you you need. You know, your your sort of um, the, the draft board, the war room, or whatever you want to call it, um, and then I'll know who's got budget, who's got needs, who's saving up for a you know big blast at the end, and going for a lot of those. They might be going for you like T Higgins and DK Metcalfs or you know Tyler Lockett's to a lesser extent, but a lot of those rather than having your Kelsey CMC Saquons, for example. Also, just an actual strategy, I think, is a another thing I, I came across which I hadn't thought of is um well it's called jump bidding where I read it, but if you've got players around the sort of ten to twenty dollar range. When you're firstly trying to work out how much you start o opening the bid for, there's no point. O well, not there's no point opening at one. There is, I guess, later in later in. But there's no point trying to lowball everything to the extreme just as just to hope no one else bids it at all because they they will. But you don't have to go up in one dollar increments. You know, if it's ten and you're really quite happy to pay fourteen for them, why not maybe say thirteen or fourteen straight off to stop someone else just going that one? It's a bit like you, it's the same strategy, I guess, that you're saying with the ones to twos. Mm -hmm. You can do it in the mid-range players. That it, it becomes a bit more problematic, and maybe they jump as well if they sit there and you bid fourteen. They think, God, it's gone from ten to fourteen, seventeen, and then you leave it, and they've overpaid again. And you're happy at fourteen. You say that because um, 
and Chiggs will attest to this as well, we get this in our Premier League auctions every year, where certain players, it's like you start at two million is our minimum bid, so you go two, somebody will say two and a half, and then somebody else will just say 16, and it kind of throws everyone off, but 16 is kind of your highest, people are like, "Uh, what if he's playing games, you know, what if he's willing to go up to 17, let me say 16 and a half, then the danger is you could get lumbered with, not lumbered with, you know, for six, like, that's a big part of your budget, but you yeah. could end up with someone you didn't want to pay that much for because you're trying to jack the price up. Or, as I said, on the other hand, you, you've caught everyone off guard and you've surprised everyone. And it's like, uh, actually, maybe it was worth 16 and a half and I just kind of didn't know if I wanted to pay it. So it is a good strategy and it, it does, you know, it, okay. it causes confusion, causes people to um, think long and hard. It's a bit like the strategy of how you do how do you blind auctions. You know, if you're putting in an auction, if you're putting in a bid, an aggressive bid, but where you're happy to pay, it means anyone else is going to have to go above where you're happy anyway. So yeah, you won't get any discount, you won't get any value on them. But if it's someone you really want, I think, and I think that's it. If it's someone you really want, you're not going to get them cheaper, even if you just go slowly. So you may as well go aggressive quickly and go right. I'll pay thirty-five McCaffrey or whatever it whatever it wants to be. Um, straight up and if someone else goes 36 okay you know you, that one's out of the way you've sort of you, you, you've gone straight away you're, you you won't get them you're not going to get them cheaper if you bid 32 they're still going to get to 36 but you've got a chance of getting a 35 and maybe well it, it's quite often been said that fantasy football is game theory and i think auction is just that complete next level because there's so much more game theory involved here you know there's so much strategizing involved with not only your budget, with other people's budgets and their rosters, whereas with a snake draft, as you say, you can't always, you know, some players you might want, but you just can't have. You know, you'll yeah. never have CMC and Barkley. Now, if that's your intention, you can. You can blow up 70 out of your 100 on two players. You've then got 30 to use on 13 players, for example. You know, you can do that, but there's a lot of, um, lot of gamesmanship or game theory involved. Uh, and that's what I'm quite excited about because, you know, naturally I think we're going to have an eye on each other because we play in so many leagues together. You know, I think me, you, Paul, Jigs, we're in what five different leagues together. I think. Uh, yeah. four, five. So you know, you're always, you're always keeping an eye on like those closest to you. But then you've got someone like Chris who are only in one league with, uh, not Chris Biggs or Chris with a K. He's only in like one of the league with us, so he kind of goes under the radar sometimes. And uh, I think he got a got it's, a it's, on player. Yeah. It's yeah, funny because, of... as you, you say, right? Like you know certain players that people really like, and they they kind of target. And I've actually did the, just finished doing a best ball draft um, with Chris, and there's a few guys that I had like kind of you know penciled in as late round kind of under the radar sort of flyers, and he he sort of picked them. Um, and I saw a message being like, that's a nice pick. You know, I was probably going to take them a round or two later. And you kind of, you can see those people that play Dynasty and stuff and you've been in leagues with before and they kind of have that same sort of mentality and uh, they've got their eye on the same sorts of players. Yeah, uh, it, it is good to know your opponent. And there's yeah. only, only one player who we don't know and that's um, Will, um, who's Sid's friend, who's joining... Um, he was playing my DraftKings contests and uh, really sort of got into it. So I convinced him to join the Fantasy League. And he, he's, he's gone from never done a redraft league 
straight into an auction league. So, so what you're saying is, between us, we all need to mock him and belittle him every time he doesn't win a player that he goes for to try and drive him into spending all his budget in the wrong places. Well, yeah, we can't lose to a rookie, right? That, that's the thing. Can't oh, lose I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> well, you're not a rookie. You're a seasoned veteran. No, I'll show you how to lose to a rookie. Oh, I see. Yeah, so it, it's going to be really intriguing. Uh, and as I said, I mentioned earlier, but I think the rookie element is going to be huge because where it's still a season-long league, um, and Chiggs, you kind of found this out with J.K. Dobbins last year, you know, um, and even Jonathan Taylor. Look, the first half of the fantasy season, he's not doing much for you. So if you're able to ride that through until when he did come good, then it's, it's one thing. But I think rookies will go for a lot more and their sort of value. But there's also a lot of hype around rookies, you know, because they're the talk of the town. They're the ones, you know, the draft is in two days' time, three days' time. And when we get to the draft, there's going to be all this emphasis on the rookies, you know, largely quarterbacks. But then once you get to round two, round three, uh, and even round one, you're going to have all the receivers. Round two, you're going to have all the running backs, you know, round two, round three. Um, tight ends, I don't know much about the class except for Kyle Pitts. Because he's someone like Carl Pitts is a good example, right? You look at TJ Hawkinson and how long it, it took him, what, his third season or was it second season before he became, yeah, before he became a really viable fantasy player. And I think that's going to be the same for Carl Pitts. I just don't really see him hitting the ground running, whatever his landing spot is in year one. So I think someone like that, you can, you know, put the name out there. He's never going to go for one dollar because of the name value, but he could end up going for like 15 because it's a tight end premium. And all everyone's heard is that this guy's, you know, the greatest tight end prospect since like Travis Kelsey, for example. Um, it's the same thing with um, like Jamar Chase, right? So generally you're looking at tight ends and wide receivers. It's very rare that someone comes in like Justin Jefferson and like has a, a rookie campaign to the level he did. Yeah. So, so people are now going to probably think that with Jamar Chase, right? It's going to be, he's going to come in straight off the bat. He's going to finish to the wide receiver one. Uh, bear in mind, this guy didn't play all of last year as well, right? So he's a classic guy as well that I think people will overpay for the name value as a rookie. Yes, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to happily promote names like that out there. And then look, if they have Justin Jefferson seasons, then fair play. But there's more... Henry Ruggs and Jalen Ragers than there are Justin Jeffersons and from our rookie experience, particularly with receivers. Receivers uh, particularly hard to get. Running backs, you know, it, it's not hard to get in sync with a handoff. I think it's really hard to get in sync with the quarterback and a quarterback to trust you. Yeah. Um, yeah. You see, you, know, you said that, we had a lot of um, communication issues with the handoffs when we were playing flag football. <laughs> <laughs> That's your team. You're rubbish. I've got to say, I've been watching some uh, rookie rookie tape from the from the receivers to see, you know, which who's on who's who have got my eye on and stuff. And honestly, some some of these guys like route running and stuff. It's it's so smooth. And I was just thinking back to how when we were playing, and it's like it's headless chickens. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's all over the place, running all around the place. Yeah, putting the double move on you, you know something's wrong. <laughs> No, that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, some yeah, as you say, the rookie tape. You know, there are some uh, there's some good rookies who 
fantastic rookie class. They're saying it's the best, potentially the best ever. And And they said that last year as well. Well, so I I think this, the wide receiver this class could rival that, um, the Odell Beckham Beckham class. I think that's been talked about as probably one of the best wide receiver classes in, was it Odell Beckham, Michael Thomas, uh, Mike Evans, I think all in that draft. Yeah. I think I think this this you know if you look back in this draft in five years time I think you're going to see a lot of Pro Bowl uh, and All Pro talent from this draft. But that, that you love it. You love a rookie hype, though. You really do. I, I know. I honestly, but but I, but I was saying this last year as well, right? I said yeah, I this, this year's this year's rookie class for wide receiver is so so strong. Um, yeah, it's 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 going to be great. Just where people land and stuff. You'd get yeah, ice cream in an ice cream parlour. I know <laughs> we'll be breaking down the rookie draft because um, I know we didn't quite do the um, lead up to the draft this year. It's just with um, with no combine, it's you know there's a lot less measurables, and with a lot of players pulling out of the season for COVID, it, it's going to be a really weird, I think, draft this year because. Um, there's going to be a lot of these rookies who are going to get drafted but not get immediate opportunity just because I think they need to build those calluses and, you know, then there's teams not doing training camps and stuff. So, um, like we had last year, there could be soft muscle tissue injuries early in the season and things like that. So, definitely going to be an intriguing, intriguing uh, season. And I know we haven't covered it yet. What are your thoughts on the 17 game uh, season as well? It's money, um, it's money, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not really a fan. I mean, I, I like the yeah. game more games, but I just don't think it's necessary. I'm not sure you really get, you know, it, it's like it's like the last day of school. The last day of school, you're never doing anything. The last game of the season the, probably isn't going to be that interesting. Yeah, really. And I, I know it can be, but it's still, I just don't, I just think you are putting players at, uh, you know, more unnecessary risk. Well, I don't think it makes any difference because you're you're still you're still probably not going to stop at week 15, are you? Well, that's the question now, isn't it? Do you stop at week 15 or no? Do you start your playoffs in week 13, 14, 15? I think there's a these are all things I need to consider as commissioner of a few leagues as well. But um, yeah, yeah. This, 17 week season or 17 game season definitely thrown me off a little bit. Yeah. I think it's quite dangerous doing that where there's going to be no training camps and uh, you know, a lot of. But, but the they college... have got less um, preseason, right? Yeah, but that's what I mean. You, you're not actually getting those level of hits where your body, you know, starts building those calluses and absorbing, almost getting game ready in game yeah. shape. It's going to be, going to be um, interesting. So uh, yeah, and I, I do, I do wonder if you know, and it's only one extra game, but people kind of have a certain amount of money, right? You know, the the reason baseball and uh, basketball games are generally cheaper to go to is there's so many of them. Mm. Um, it, it you know it is it is going to stretch stretch that budget across how many how many can go. I mean, I guess the one extra is not going to really make any difference, but. I mean, I guess from my perspective, an extra an extra week of football is never a bad thing, right? So, no, I mean, it's it's good from that aspect of it. I, I like it from a personal, selfish point of view. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm not sure it's the right thing. It doesn't feel like the right thing to do, really. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. We still need to decide how it's going to work in our. But the the the, um, the overall pay hasn't gone up uh, by the same amount, has it? No. Which it should do, really, because their budget, the amount of money they they get paid, whatever percentage is of the um, each team has to pay a certain, you know, a minimum percentage of their um, split out, right? And they've now got extra games, so they're going to sell more tickets, more TV rights. They should be getting more money for it, so therefore the players should be getting uh, an incremental raise. Yeah. I don't think they are, though. It's going to be interesting. So um, what's the thing you're most excited about with the auction draft in Jigs? Um, I just think it's, it's the first one that I'm doing and um, I think a lot of people are doing. And so, you know, I, I, I love auctions. Um, I mean, I, I love all drafts, but I think auctions are probably the most fun fun draft because it means, you know, you can build like an all-star roster or, you know, there's, there's so many different strategies as opposed to, you know, if you're drafting in the second spot in a 12-team snake draft, you, you kind of know just, just through ADP and stuff roughly who's going to be there, right? Uh, in, you know, in the second and third rounds and stuff. So, yeah, your, your strategy is completely different. Um, and it's going to be exciting to just kind of get in there and just go with the flow. Yeah, so I'm just looking now. It's going to be 10 starters, 5 bench, and 2 IR. And it is a super flex league. So, yeah, um, you definitely want at least a couple of decent QBs. And I think that goes the same with sort of any. Trevor, Trevor Lawrence, get Trevor Lawrence out there early. Yeah, if somebody wants to blow some of their... Yeah, but it'd be you two who bid for him. Because I'm just reading it now, and it is three keepers. Uh, but that works on the premise you're willing to match the highest bid on those players. So, yeah, just adding to the... I'm, 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 in, I'm very intrigued because it's something new, something different. You don't often get that in fantasy football startups. So I'm quite happy with the way Cash has sort of organised this, excited in that aspect. And Paul, what's the thing you're looking forward to the most? I, I like auctions as well. I like, I like the principle of auctions. I, I generally get overcarried away. I'm glad my wife's not doing it because then she'd definitely buy everyone straight away. <laughs> just, we'd just come away at like a hundred dollars in debt rather than with a with zero left. <laughs> not 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 being able to work out how it happens. But yeah, I, I like I like the um, I like the gamesmanship of auctions. Very good. Uh, so yeah, it'll be um, auction strategy one hundred and one. We could call this, and then as we get closer to the league, maybe we can discuss um, if there's anything we've learned. I think, Paul, you're doing a bit of reading at the moment, aren't you? Um, I'm trying to learn to read, which is uh, quite an important <laughs> step for me. Writing's next on my list. We should definitely um, we should definitely have a look at it post-event and also after after we've actually seen how, you know, the efficiencies of what our, our guesses are now to um, yeah. what truly happens when we, ha when we go through. Because actually, you can it's not it's not like a redraft that you can plan it out as much as you want. As Sheik says, someone comes along and the first three running backs will go for above where we think any of them are going to go. Mm. It, you've got to think on your feet a little bit. Yeah, exactly that. Um, I'll, ju I'll just quickly give a, a little bit of context. Obviously, did did a, a best ball draft um, a few weeks ago, um, 12 team. And obviously, for those that never played best ball, it, it's pretty cool, right? You basically, you draft your roster and then you never have to set your lineup on any given week. It just picks your perfect 
um, your perfect score from all your players that you've selected. So you almost want to pick some of these like boom bust kind of Will Fullers of the world, right? That could go off in any given week. But um, just the first round, and it's a tight end premium super flex as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Mimes, Christian McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Travis Kelsey, Dalvin Cook, Justin Herbert. That's not your team. No, this, this is the first round, right? Oh, George oh, Jesus God, how did this happen? Oh, right, oh, to be fair, I'll, t- I'll tell you my team in a second, right? But um, so it's Mahomes, McCaffrey, Allen, Kelsey, Cook, Herbert, Kittle, Waller, Derek Henry, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers. So in the first round, there were six QBs, three tight ends, and three running backs. So no wide receivers went in round one. Uh, and three tight ends, right? So the tight end premium. So it just gives you an idea, right? That those three tight ends are such difference makers. You can see people are gonna people are gonna bid for them, right? Um, Particularly tight end premium. Yeah. Um, so it, my team, I started off with McCaffrey in the second pick. Uh, so my first five picks were Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, Michael Thomas, Deshaun Watson. That sounds. So hey, you got three quarterbacks. Yeah. Nice. Yes. Um, and then Amari. There you go. Now you're learning. You're a lot. You're yeah. <laughs> You'll get dead last, but I like the fact you've got loads of quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a nice start. Quite, quite happy with the start. It's kind of you know then but obviously it means you know I'm a bit weak at tight end, uh, so I've got Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki, Austin Hooper, but you know I'm just I, hoping one of those guys maybe you know one of those next tier guys maybe pops you know. I can't help but think that you don't you can be weaker in a position when you've got better ball. You've got. Basically, you've got three, you know, you're throwing out three shots. You don't need, I, I, I can't help but think in better ball, you don't really want Kelsey because, yeah, you want him because he's, obviously you want him, mm. but for yeah. not where he goes for, because he's so good, you know he's going to get points. But actually, you can have like three people, one of which might get half his points and they'll be so much further down, you'll get, you know, replacement yeah. value wise. I, but And that's it, any given week, you know, someone will go off for two touchdowns and, you know, um, suddenly, it's that week that, that that tight end just has a monster game, right? Like you can't. Right. And you can you you're never playing them normally because they're always someone that you're taking a flyer of that might be alright at some point. Or if you need, if you if you are playing them in a normal league, it's because you had to, not because you chose to. Mm. And you were lucky. I mean, the the best example for that was like a Marvin Jones because yeah, three times in a season he's going to get you like top two, top three receiver numbers. And then the rest of the season will be turned. But in the best ball league, uh, or I'd say Will Fuller, you know, they're just perfect for it. I mean, yeah, you Will, don't, because, I, I, you I made sure I got my, players, right? Yeah, I made sure I got Marvin Jones in my team in that as well. <laughs> Where is he going now? Is he still at the normally, normally you want low variance players. You want low variance, high high ceilings, like low floor. Um, in this, you you don't mind the high variance because you've got, you know, the the the, the sort of portfolio theory should balance out your um your scores. Mm. Uh, he's gone to Jacksonville, I think was the question, Amir. Oh, okay, nice. So Trevor Lawrence throwing to Marvin Jones, okay. Yeah. Nice. So, we'll yeah, so... get on with the best ball across the league. I've always wanted to do a best ball, uh, so I will maybe next season. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what I'd recommend yeah, any, any listeners that are kind of, you know, maybe a little bit time um, time poor, you know, probably other commitments and stuff and haven't got time to trawl waiver wires and you know, set lineups on a weekly basis. Do do a few best ball leagues, right? You, the the draft is obviously the, the fun part, and then you you just sit and forget about your team, and hopefully, you know, you can keep an eye on it through the season and see how you're doing. But you, you know, there's no maintenance throughout it, so 
yeah, highly, highly recommend it. Forget and forget. And um, just quickly, rookie draft is in uh, the NFL draft, I should say, is in the yeah. time. Very any, exciting. Uh, any players in particular you're really keen for their landing spots? Uh, there's too, too many, too many to, to mention. But I guess for me, the most interesting thing is going to be who the 49ers take at three as quarterback. Yeah. They've obviously they've obviously traded up and then they gave up two for two like two future firsts and maybe their first this year to move up to, to three. Um obviously a lot of talk around Mac Jones and, and Trey Lance at the moment. So then obviously Justin Fields then potentially slips and then whether the Falcons take him at four or does he kind of keep falling and then, you know, the Denver Broncos move up. Put put it this way, I think there's gonna be a few quarterbacks that are currently at teams who are gonna be very nervous about their starting gig. Um, for next season, and then Justin Fields, who was last year seen as potentially the QB one, yeah, is going to be like the fourth, maybe fifth QB off the board, which is crazy. It's you crazy. Um, could could go as could go as low as like fifteen or something if he keeps sliding. I think the Patriots would trade up to get him before that ever happens, but. It is crazy, you know, to think, or the Broncos, I should say. But, uh, yeah, for me, the most interest or intriguing thing is picks three and four. And to a lesser extent, number five. I think number five, the Bengals have to and will go Sewell. But there's just that element of doubt that whether they go Jamar Chase and pair him I, I've seen a lot of people mocking Jamar Chase to the Bengals at five. And then mm-hmm. they take like a, an O-line in rounds two or three. Yeah, but I mean, just personal opinion. There's nobody I, as good as Sewell on there. Uh, on yeah, the but then yeah, Jamar Chase is that kind of potentially generational talent, a wide receiver, and the argument that is that the drop off from you know the tackle in round one to rounds two or three is not as yeah, you know, and obviously it's a wide receiver deep class, but you know if you, if Jamar Chase is there, it, you know historically if you've seen how they've drafted as well. They like their wide receivers. But, you know, obviously, we, we talked about last year with T. Higgins. You know, they, they, they've got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. For me, it's not a positional that they desperately need. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But, yeah, no, it's just going to be exciting. Um, yeah, so see, I think in one of the mocks I saw, um, Bengals took Sewell at five, and then in round two, they went Terrence Marshall or Terrace Marshall. Nice, yeah. Another LSU receiver mm-hmm. uh, in that lsu receiving call was just stacked wasn't it when you think they're justin jefferson as well um yep. parents marshall but you know you've got so many guys that you know that that second round of the draft you know guys like rondell moore um you know i don't know if rashad bateman even goes in the first um you know yeah. jayla waddle i think was going to go in the top 15 picks yeah Paul, what do you, any uh, any potential players you're really excited about? See where they land. I haven't seen any mock drafts at all yet, um, so I, I've got no no thoughts of starting positions at all. I'm quite looking forward to catching up on it actually. But this is my, this is my for, in case my boss is listening. This is my busy time at work, so I've been focused heavily at that while. I, <laughs> However, come June, I won't be doing any work at all. So, uh, outside. Um, I'll tell you what would be good actually if we we did a little recap of. Um, Obviously, our our 
rookie rankings, you know, post landing from last year and see, you know, how he did, where where we kind of over overreached Keyshawn Vaughan being my guy that I definitely probably had way too high. I can only um, assume that since we haven't done it, it must mean I did really well and Amir did really poorly. Uh, to be fair, I was looking it through the other day and I think you had quite a few picks where you were the highest on people and they end up hitting and then you had obviously yeah. a few guys that you were very high on that turned out to be yeah. total duds. Some that I didn't want at all that turned out to be yeah. absolutely awesome. But, you know. I, th- yeah, well, I, 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 I was definitely number one with the bullet on Jonathan Taylor and that was... Um, he was, as I said, proved to be a stud, ended up winning people championships. Um, That's a good shout. I was very high on Taylor. I was very high on Justin Jefferson and high on uh, T. Higgins. Uh, I think I, you're right, Shiggs. We've got to pull this out because he's just remembering anecdotally here. We can't, we can't <laughs> tell anything from this. this no, see, I've got, I've got the actual, everyone's rankings, you know, from I think one, rounds one to uh, three or four, um, you know, where, where you had them in your rankings. And, um, Definitely, the one that does stick out is Paul had just um, Justin Herbert very, very low. Yeah, I know. That's what I <laughs> for, for a man that loves quarterbacks. Uh, yeah. what, what I did with that is I enabled myself to get some of my other even better picks earlier on that would have uh, would, would have made up for that miss. <laughs> I really hope Paul had like Henry Ruggs as his wide receiver one or something. No, no, no. To be fair, Mo, Mo was big on Henry Ruggs. And obviously... Yeah, I bet, against, I bet with Mo against Ruggs, actually. Big swing and a miss there. Yeah. Yeah, well, Ruggs and Edwards both missed, weren't they, last season, really? Yeah. No one did anything. Yeah, let's do it. We'll break down last seasons and then we'll definitely have to break down the draft and who we're excited for, what that means for veteran players already in teams and um, who are excited to see next season as an offense in particular. So, uh, yeah, very exciting time of the year. I know we've been fairly quiet the last few months, just sort of been enjoying the slightly decent weather we've been having. But, uh, yeah, as, as, as the draft is here and the season is approaching, we'll be recording a lot more. So lots of, lots of things to look forward to. But for now, um, that's episode 52 in the bags and that is me signing out and paul catch you soon guys chicks hey folks